0: Hi, I'm Dominic Fercasa, staff writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. The COVID-19 pandemic is forcing California's child care providers to confront a crushing choice. Stay closed and risk financial ruin or reopen at a reduced capacity and expose children and staff to the coronavirus. On top of that, those that do reopen are subject to a host of additional requirements around social distancing and cleanliness that are freighting providers with even more costs and logistical difficulties. It's a dynamic imperiling, a critical crutch for working parents, so many of whom rely on child care providers while they go to work. A recent survey from the UC Berkeley Center for the Study of Childcare Employment summed up the state of things in stark terms. Among the providers that have reopened, most are operating with higher cleaning costs and decimated tuition rates. Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan joins us now to talk about this situation. Rachel, we're in the middle of a surge right now in new coronavirus cases, and lots of places are are pausing their reopening plans, but your story makes me wonder... How many childcare providers are even going to still be around when that time comes? How dire is it out there for these businesses?
1: It's dire. Um, I. It's hard for me to believe that childcare would go extinct altogether. It's kind of. It's almost like a public good, um, but let's see. Of the. Of the businesses, so my my article was, the newspeg for my article was this report that came out of UC Berkeley. Um, they surveyed a little under a 1,000 programs, and about a quarter of them were still closed. Um, so, I mean, that doesn't mean that they necessarily will not reopen, but, I mean, it does mean that they've been closed for a pretty long time and stimulus fundi- funding is running out and, you know, many still have rent or mortgage payments. So, I mean, we could be looking at like a significant chunk like that. And I mean, that's just now, right? And we're theoretically in the middle of this thing, you know, and I I don't know if this is an industry that a lot of people are now gravitating to um, to make up for that loss. But I mean, I could be wrong on that front, but yeah we could be looking at a significant chunk and then the ones that are open have reduced capacity right because they ca- they have to separate the kids so they're only able to serve about a third of the kids
0: that they did before so let's let's back up just a little bit i mean the the dynamics here are that you know as let's just take the bay area for for one example right i mean we've been On some form of lockdown now for several months, there have been gradual relaxations in that that have allowed people to move about a little bit more freely and go back to work in some cases, we have this kind of expanding well at one point what was an expanding kind of universe of businesses that could reopen and people could go back to work, which means they needed somewhere, especially in the summer months to bring their kids right i mean is this right. kind of is this is kind of the dynamic that that we're looking at right now i mean the the surge really throws. This, you know, throws an additional layer of uncertainty on things. But I I mean, are are places sort of poised to start reopening? How, How does the surge that we're in the middle of right now affect those calculations, do you think?
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, as far as the general economy reopening, I mean, it doesn't really, you know, as a parent myself, like it doesn't really matter. Like I work from home in front of a laptop I have two um, e- extremely boisterous small people, um, you know, I, I cannot, um, and, and I don't think any parent really can just sit here and work and babysit them all day, you know? I mean, when they were here all day, full disclosure, they were getting babysat by, like, the television, you know, a lot of the time, and we were doing crazy things to, to, to figure it out, you know, like, working like a grave one person does a graveyard shift and one person does an early morning shift or you know and I mean that's kind of how it is it's like whether you're I mean if you're working from home yeah like you know that's not quite the same as like you're a delivery driver who like can't take your kids with you to work but it, you still need child care you know so it's like this is a need that you know, people, people are going to have regardless of what the economy is doing.
0: Now, one of the major complaints that, you know, among childcare providers that have reopened um, and are, you know, sort of grappling with all of these new realities, you know, a a major complaint that you, that you spell out in the story uh, is the the states you know ever changing very hard to pin down guidance and rules for childcare programs, you know, and and regardless of whether or not they're well intentioned, you know, abstract that for a second. Uh, how do those changing goalposts affect these businesses? What are their what are their uh, uh, what are their problems around the states changing guidance for their industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are saying um, to to, to to bring in a really good uh, Dominic forcasa quote, um, it's like this fog of ambiguity, right? <laughs> like, they're um, expected to social distance, but they're working with, like, two, three, four, five-year-olds, you know? And a lot of them are saying, uh, you know, we just can't... We can't really social distance those kids. It's not possible. It's not something you can teach them, it's not who they are, you know. Try as you might, you know, you can't, you know, get them not to stop like wiping their snotty noses everywhere. You know, it's like that's just like how kids. So there, there's one question of like they're being told to enforce this somewhat abstract concept that little kids just can't understand, you know. Um, and so a lot of them say it's just logistically impossible um you know and then th- there's like very complex guidelines of like you have to have the kids in pods of like 12 kids who only interact with an- with one another so for my story i interviewed a, a child care director who is actually open for business and trying to get families to come and trying to get you know parents to enroll Um, and doing it, like, pretty ad hoc. She works in a a church that's pretty large. They've set up this partition. You know, they have the red group and the blue group, and they've created, like, these little masking tape trails so that, like, if you're in the red group, the path will only lead you into, like, red group places. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, so it's, like, it's really, you know, there's a lot of very specific rules of, like, student the same group of students can only share one bathroom you know and I think like they're complex they're being interpreted different ways like I know like as a parent it was confusing at first because the guidelines at first were like oh if you're an essential worker you can have child care but then it was like all sorts of people qualified for as an essential worker you know <laughs> and so like you know if you if you got into the technicalities of it so like People weren't sure if, you know, they they were allowed to to be an essential worker or not. So yeah, it's just it's just been like a really confusing set of rules. I mean, it's a confusing set of rules for all businesses, but I mean this this one is just particularly sensitive.
0: My uh, my mom was a, a preschool teacher for many years, and you know it's it's just sort of one of those in in the before times, right before COVID nineteen. It was, uh, it was just something you kind of rolled your eyes at, that kids in preschools and daycares, I mean, they're just, they're just germ buckets, right? That's just how kids are. And, you know, and, and now we're confronting this sort of situation where, you know, all of a sudden that carries like dire consequences, right? That carries, that, that, that carries the, the risk of the coronavirus. And, you know, it, it, it sounds like the, again, the hoops that child care providers are going to have to jump through and have to right now or maybe very well intentioned, but they're, they're obviously struggling to, <laughs> to kind of corral the natural behavior of these, of these young kids in many cases. So I guess that leads me to my next question though, is, you know, how are, how are parents grappling with these, with, with, with these changes? I mean, for some parents who, you know, who aren't able to work from home, you know, in front of a laptop every day, I mean, what are, what, what are their choices exactly?
1: Well, I guess like the other complication here is that the public schools have closed, right? And so, right. I mean, a lot of, for a lot of people, I mean, including myself, like public school is the path to childcare, especially if you have a kid who's like five, six, seven years old, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, speaking for myself personally and um, various people who I've, you know, in my circle of coworkers and friends and people I've pulled on social media, um, a lot of people who have pretty young kids are just like holding them back. Like if, if you're, if begging your preschool, Hey, will you still take a five-year-old It's just like holding your kid back because what else can you do? You know? So like I have a five-year-old in preschool. Um, so that's a strategy that a lot of people are doing. And, um, fortunately some providers will take five-year-olds now because, you know, <laughs> they need the money. Um, a lot of parents are afraid, you know, I mean, they're like, you know, understandably they're apprehensive about, um, putting children in childcare, you know, I mean, they may live with like an intergenerational family, grandparents, just, you know, they, they might not want all the exposure. Um, so that's, so that's you know a lot of people are just avoiding it altogether but then it's like you get into this whole thing of like we have this social dis- divide that's really being exposed through this child care crisis because you have some parents who i mean more power to them but like they have like the resources to afford like nannies or babysitters sure. or tutors or this and that and the other and you have other parents Who are just stuck right like so i've heard some parents have to bring their kids to work you know um if they work like an essential job and they could like manage to do that um you know i mean some some like a lot of kids frankly are getting left with grandparents which creates kind of a danger for the grandparents that's a really vulnerable population um so you know you have that i mean there's some families Who are you know kind of collaborating and like forming a pod and like switching off? There's I've talked to a lot of parents, and this is this actually really kind of gets to me. Is like there's a lot of parents, especially women, who are leaving the workforce. You know, Mm, and it just just outright, yeah, and it just like it that just kind of burns. It's like I talked to I've talked I talked to someone today who was like. You know, I mean, her story is slightly different, but she was like on the applying for like professors, professorships, like someone who's like a real career woman, you know, who just was like, I have to take care of my kids now.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Rachel, I want to talk next about some of the research that uh, UC Berkeley is doing in this arena. Uh, So stay tuned. We'll take a quick break and be back to talk with Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan after this. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support 5th Inmission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Okay, Rachel, you mentioned this kind of at the top of uh, of our episode, but walk us through some of the you know high-level findings of this UC Berkeley survey. They really seem to have kind of laid it all out there about what this industry is facing at least in California. So what what is it exactly? What sort of conclusions were they able to draw?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I mean the the survey this is actually their I believe it's their second. I know they've done at least two with this one. Um so they've been kind of following this industry through the pandemic. Um I mean the the conclusions of this report you know um they're not um it's 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 they're a little bit murky but but the overall takeaway is that the kind of start stop start reopening process of the state has just really escalated a crisis for this industry that was already on the margins um i mean i'm sure this could be could apply to many industries that are kind of like you know low paid workers low margins that kind of thing. But I mean, child care businesses, like child care businesses, I mean, you're talking about like a collection of small businesses and nonprofits that just don't have a lot of reserves anyway. Their labor force isn't paid that much. And just the whole thing of like, you know, we're in phase one, just kidding. No, we're not. Actually we're gonna close back up again. You know, even though child care centers have been allowed to stay open, you know, for this period of time, it's it's created a lot of just um, chaos for them, you know, because, I mean, it affects their clientele, too. You know, because then, you know, like parents, you know, they enroll, then they unenroll, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's it's just been kind of I mean the, the whole, they, the whole halting reopening has been really, really devastating for the childcare industry, um, of the businesses a quarter have closed a lot of them, you know, they're fine. They, um, interviewed a lot of businesses that the, the, um, main program director or owner, or however you would call them, is taking on credit card debt. Um, A lot of them have missed mortgage and rent payments. Um, I believe it was like 40% of them have like, at one point, the person who was running the program um, continued paying their employees, but did not pay themselves for a period because they just didn't have the money to do that. So it's just like, it's, it's, drastic when you see that in any industry um it just indicates that i mean the the takeaway i think the message from this report like it's it's not like a politicized thing but you know this industry needs bailouts it needs more stimulus funding to survive yeah.
0: and, and that actually leads me to my last question for you Rachel which is what have local governments done to to step in here i mean to the extent to which they view this as I mean, this word has kind of taken on a different meaning now, but to the extent to which local governments see child care providers as essential businesses, particularly for, you know, a workforce that is in disarray because of the pandemic, uh, how have they stepped in to help or are they?
1: Well, you know, San Mateo County, actually, uh the, um, their board of supervisors approved two million in um stimulus funds for child care, you know, spread around. That's not going to be a huge amount, but I'm sure it's greatly appreciated. Um, so local governments are doing what they can. I, it seems to me that the problem is so many different, um, if you'd call childcare a social service, so many different just public services are screaming and crying out for money right now. You know, it's like I also cover the transit agency that's you know desperate for money and um schools are seeing budget cuts and you know so many so it's like what do you prioritize you know in this time of scarcity but it seems like local governments are well-intentioned and they're passing stimulus packages here and there And, um, I mean, San Francisco has done programs where it opened, you know, the park facilities to essential workers. Um, but it's just really, it's fly by night. It's like everything, you know, it's not, it's not like a top down, you know, directive from the state. It's like county by county, you know, this is how we feel right now. (laughs) And now the board of supervisors will hand you a check
0: up in the air, like everything else. Um, well, Rachel, thank you so much for being with us today. And thanks for your reporting.
1: Thanks so much for the opportunity, Dom. I really appreciate it.
0: Our thanks again to Rachel Swan, Chronicle staff writer for being with us today. And thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And as always, thank you for listening.